from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, where we sometimes veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. Special thanks to my patrons who voted for this episode. Thank you so much. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that you can vote on who will be covered next or get early access to the podcasts. Like, share, and subscribe. It might just help our little community grow. Quick announcement. I am going to be at True Crime Fest in Rogers, Arkansas on May 20th, so if you are interested in going, the website for tickets is allthelostgirls.org, all one word. Today's podcast was voted for by patrons, which is the starvation cult, the Good News International Church. Its pastor is Paul McKenzie. So let's get into it. Although I couldn't find his specific birthday... News sources state his age as 50 in 2023, so that would have put Paul McKenzie being born in 1973. Reuters wrote that he grew up in rural Kwali County in southeastern Kenya, Africa, which is on the far eastern side of the African continent. Unfortunately, I could not find anything else about his childhood. Nothing about a father, nothing about any siblings. I do know that he has a mother that is still living, though. I did find an interview with his mother, but she was speaking in Swahili, I believe, and I could not get a translation. The comments below the video all stated she was basically reiterating that she was a loving mother who was just standing up for her son and saying that what has been said about him are lies. So I just don't have any childhood information about Paul. So we'll start with his young adulthood. In the early 1990s, he moved to Malindi, an Indian Ocean coastal town in Kenya, where he worked as a taxi driver. Another taxi driver that knew Paul back then told Reuters that Paul was unusually and quite passionately confrontational toward the authorities. His former acquaintance said that even though Paul received just a minor traffic violation, he actually went to court and fought the small fine that he would have otherwise incurred. He said that Paul was quite competitive and that he could not stand to lose at anything. He also described him as stubborn and always stood his ground. But during this time, it was said that he became ever increasingly focused on religion. Paul began attending a local Baptist church while being a taxi driver for a few years. And then he decided to quit driving a taxi and focus his entire life on his religion. 
Now, it was around this time that Paul began to preach to people about his increasingly strange beliefs. While he was still driving, of course, he was giving sermons, and he was actually charged four separate times for the strange and alarming things he was preaching. Unfortunately, he was acquitted each time for lack of evidence. In 2003, 30-year-old Paul started his own church in Malindi called Servant P.N. McKenzie Ministries. A friend that had worked with Paul when he was a taxi driver said that he, his wife, and his family had actually begun to go to Paul's church and continued to do so for a couple of years before they realized that his teachings had become increasingly bizarre and paranoid and, quite frankly, alarming. But for others, his teachings were just what the doctor ordered, and he began to amass an impressive number of followers while telling them he could personally communicate with God. The former friend said, quote, He started attacking other faiths like Muslims and Catholics. His preaching started becoming extreme. End quote. So that leads us into the next stage, right? So what exactly were Paul's teachings based on? Well, he began studying the teachings of William Branham, and this is important, so let's touch on this man. William's story is kind of all over the place, but I promise it's worth it and pertains to Paul and this cult, as well as another well-known cult, so stick with me very long story short. William was born in Kentucky in 1909, later said that he'd been having mystical experiences from an early age. In fact, William said that at the tender age of three, he heard a, quote, voice speaking to him from a tree telling him, quote, he would live near a city called New Albany. William later told his audiences that he had had a very tough and tumultuous childhood and that none other than the Ku Klux Klan had intervened in his early life and this had left a positive impression on him. In fact, William continued to speak highly of the KKK throughout his life, saying, quote, No matter what they do or what, there is something and that stays with me. End quote. William would go on to maintain lifelong connections to the KKK. In William's young adult years, he really began to come into his religiousness. He started attending the first Pentecostal Baptist church, led by a prominent Ku Klux Klan man in Jeffersonville, Indiana, where he was living at the time. This man baptized William, and a few months later, William was ordained an independent Baptist minister and an elder of the church. Guys, as in, with no real education in religion, and within only a few months, he was officially ordained a fully capable, independent preacher. It was at this point that a KKK leader and William began traveling the country, putting together religious tent revivals. Now, back then, the First Pentecostal Baptist Church of Jeffersonville was a Baptist church which adhered to some Pentecostal doctrines, including divine healing and speaking in tongues. 
When he began baptizing people, William claimed a bright light descended over him and that he heard a voice say, quote, As John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Jesus Christ, so your message will forerun his second coming, end quote. So William eventually built a church called the Billy Branham Pentecostal Tabernacle, though the name was eventually shortened to the Branham Tabernacle. Growth was slow and attendance fluctuated, mostly due to the Great Depression, but it did continue. So word around the campfire was that William traveled to Mishawaka, Indiana, where he was invited to speak at the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ General Assembly meetings organized by Bishop G.B. Rowe. William was, quote, not impressed with the multicultural aspects of the PAJC as it was contrary to the dogmas advanced by his friends in the Ku Klux Klan, end quote. So he was not happy that different races were commingling in the same church. In the 40s, he began traveling, proclaiming himself a faith healer and on and on. So he amassed an immense following. But one must remember that the venues used to host these religious meetings also hosted KKK rallies just days prior to the tent revivals, which sometimes led to racial tensions. People who attended both the KKK rallies and the healing revivals were surprised to see some of the same groups of people at both events. And it was said that KKK recruitment was covertly conducted through William's ministry. So really, guys, the takeaway is that William developed a unique sort of theology and placed emphasis on a few key doctrines, including his relating to ideas about death, judgment, and the final destiny of the soul and of humanity, annihilationism, oneness of the Godhead, predestination, eternal security, and what one of the things Paul was preaching its called the serpent's seed which is a controversial and fringe Christian religious belief which explains the biblical account of the fall of man by stating that the serpent mated with Eve in the Garden of Eden and the offspring of their union was Cain. This event resulted in the creation of two races of people, the wicked descendants of the serpent who were destined for damnation and the righteous descendants of Adam who were destined to have eternal life. The doctrine frames human history as a conflict between these two races in which the descendants of Adam will eventually triumph over the descendants of the serpent. His followers refer to his teachings collectively as, quote, the message. William used this idea to sort of underhandedly promote white supremacy. Some religious, usually Christian denominations, usually very white supremacist ones, will talk about how that Cain went on to become the Jewish race, and then of course Adam are the chosen people, and so on. It's incorrect, it's inaccurate, it is ridiculous, but it is a description of the idea. So back to Paul McKenzie. Paul was radicalized with the latter rain version of William Branham's message, the message, right? So get this. 
This is the same version that attracted Jim Jones of People's Temple, who convinced over 900 followers to commit mass suicide in Jonestown, Guyana. Not all of them were suicides, but you get the idea. The Latter Rain movement is said to have had a fundamental doctrine of fasting to achieve what they call atomic power, as described in Franklin Hall's book, Atomic Power with God Through Fasting and Prayer. According to the doctrinal teaching, converts were instructed to fast for 40 days. It says, quote, it can only be the beginning of a new age for good if the power of the Spirit is developed to a high degree in many by the most powerful agent known to man, fasting and prayer. A 21- or 40-day prayer and fast period will most assuredly hasten the Christian to such a great and deep experience with God that 21 days would be equal to 21 years. 40 days equal to 40 years. Experience shows that the 40-day period gives far greater results than a shorter time. End quote. And so Paul believed that fasting would hasten the convert's passage into heaven by cleansing their body of the, air quotes, evil. Okay, so in 2016, according to alleged reports, a member of this group sold their property on the island of Lamu to Paul, who then allegedly used this money to purchase property in the cities of Mombasa and Malindi, as well as two vehicles, and to fund a television station to continuously broadcast his message. And really, does this sound that much different than a lot of the other cults that we know about or that I've covered? This move by certain followers convinced several other members to follow suit, selling their properties and giving money to his church. And of course, we see this perpetually in nearly, if not all, cults. You know, people selling all of their worldly possessions and then giving that money to the cult and usually the cult leader. This concept is nothing new. So the next year, in March 2017, after an anonymous tip, police searched one of Paul and his followers' compounds in the Farunzi neighborhood of Malindi and found 43 children living there that were not attending school, according to court documents at the time. He and his then-wife were also charged with promoting radicalization as well as denying children access to health care. Unfortunately, several children died as a result of the lack of health care. The authorities ultimately rescued 93 children from Paul's compound. The next year, he was heavily criticized by community leaders and other activists for basically talking children into dropping out of school and most often without parental consent. But in a twist of events... Paul and his wife were released after investigating officers found them conveniently innocent. But you see, Paul had forbidden his followers from sending their children to school and from going to a doctor or the hospital when they were ill, saying such institutions were satanic. Oh, and also, women were under strict orders to have their hair very short and to not wear makeup. 
Quote, education is evil, Paul had said in a March 2023 video, one of several of his online sermons, though they are not in English, not at least the ones that I found. He said, quote, children are being taught lesbianism and gayism in school curriculums, end quote. He also stated that education was not in the Bible, which, of course, is completely false. There are many mentions of the importance of education in the Christian Bible, such as in Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Ephesians, 2 Timothy, and so on. I may not practice and I may not believe, but I have actually read it. I digress. Paul was ultimately charged with offering education at an unregistered facility, even though, as I just said, he himself had plainly stated education was evil. But after a plea bargain, he continued his teachings, or he was allowed to continue his teachings. In 2019, the authorities ordered Paul's church to shut down, police said, and that was when he uprooted his followers and relocated the cult to the Shakahola Forest about an hour and a half away by car, living in mud and grass huts. Boy, does that sound familiar. He was then arrested for inciting the public against registration for Huduma Namba. I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing all of these correctly which is just an expansion of government services to its people by assigning a number, sort of like we Americans with our social security numbers. This helps keep track of things to help people and give them benefits or offer benefits. He said it was literally the mark of the beast. I shit you not. Very soon after, he was accused of brainwashing children into joining his cult or flat out abducting them. But he had the backing, again, of several area churches, and so he was again let go. Now, once the cult had moved into the Shakahola Forest to their remote commune, much like Jim Jones took his people to Guyana, he began to put his plan into place. Paul began telling his followers that the world as they knew it was going to end on April 15, 2023, and that Satan himself would then rule for 1,000 years. He then ordered them to starve themselves and starve their children to death so they could meet Jesus in heaven ahead of that date. People that had known about Paul's preachings said that Paul had told them, quote, I heard the voice of Christ telling me that the work I gave you to preach end-time messages for nine years has come to an end. I followed the voice that told me that I had finished the work. End quote. I think something's kind of lost in translation there, but you get the idea. He also said these prophecies in YouTube videos that he made, but again, they are not in English, not the ones that I found. But the suffering of followers began to become obvious in mid-March, so just this past March, weeks before the unthinkable was found deep in the forest where Paul and his cult were living when a local man told police that his brother and his wife had starved their children to death in the forest on Paul's orders, according to court records. So just a few weeks later, his cult became the focus of national and really international horror when the discovery in late April of more than 100 bodies, mostly children, in mass graves in the Shakahola Forest of Southeast Kenya, home to his Good News International Church. 
Now, Paul had planned the mass starvation of cult members in three phases, right? First, the children. Then this, of course, sort of takes the motivation to stay alive from the parents, right? So then the women and the young men. And then finally, third phase is the remaining men. And then, you know, obviously himself, according to six of the people, including an investigator who actually declined to be named due to the confidential nature of the details, because a lot of things are still under investigation. So, of course, Paul denied that he told anyone to not eat. However, four grieving relatives of starvation victims portrayed Paul as an imperious man who had cut off his followers from their families and society through his extreme teachings. And of course, we know this is one of the main steps that cults take, separating the person or persons from their families. So after the reports of people starving and dying, officers went into the forest and found two young boys buried in shallow graves. They were able to rescue a third boy who was weak and visibly emaciated. Paul was arrested and police asked the Melindy court to detain him pending murder investigations, but a magistrate freed him on 10,000 shillings or about $73 bail. That blows my mind. Anyway, according to the court records, which document the bail hearing and preceding events. So after he was freed, Paul returned to the forest and really began preaching about the world ending on April 15th. It was said, quote, the moment he got back, he called a meeting, said the world was ending and therefore we, the chosen ones, needed to go ahead before the world ends and problems come, said a former cult member who he said had been cast out for drinking water when he was supposed to be fasting to death. So they're not even allowed water. Paul told them, quote, as your leader, I will be the last one. I will close the door. You chosen ones will proceed before me and we will all meet with Christ, end quote. On April 13th, police acting on a tip-off returned to the forest and found 15 emaciated people lying in the forest, according to police, who said four of them were so weak that they actually died before they could even get to the hospital. The following day, Paul was arrested again, and police began combing through the forest more systematically. On April 21st, they found and began exhuming mass graves. The first bodies recovered from the graves were mostly children. One of the graves was believed by police to contain the bodies of five members of the same family, three children and their two parents. One of the graves had up to six people inside of it. Some of the bodies were not even buried. The people digging the graves were weak from hunger, no doubt. Some bodies were found with vegetables like sweet potatoes planted above them so as to conceal their location. Authorities also discovered a number of other emaciated people, including one who had been buried alive for three days and was later taken to a hospital for treatment. Local authorities began requesting assistance from other jurisdictions to help with efforts at the commune. Authorities believed that an unknown number of missing people were still hiding in the forest on the commune and evading authorities while they continued to fast. 
Authorities reported that members of the commune were actively trying to hinder their efforts to find survivors. According to testimonies to police, Paul told his followers that the fast would count only if they gathered together and offered them his farm as a fasting venue. They were not to mingle with anyone from the outside world if they wanted to go to heaven and were to destroy all documents given by the government, including national IDs and birth certificates. So erasing their own identity. Yet another tactic used by cults. Kenya's Public Prosecution's Office previously said in its preliminary findings that Paul and other suspects may have committed murder, as well as counseling and aiding persons to kill themselves by promoting radical beliefs. And indeed, during the search, investigators uncovered booklets of William Branham's teachings at the commune, which were pictured in a news broadcast. And again, Paul's YouTube channel contained videos promoting serpent seed teachings, versions of which are used by white supremacists to oppress non-white races and to prevent racial mixing. Due to William's teachings being so very racist, I can only imagine Paul twisting it a bit to fit his agenda. So far, as of this recording, there have been 110 deaths reported. The majority of deaths were of children, with women being the next largest group. And additionally, not all deaths were by starvation. There were other methods used, including hurting them, just by physical and preliminary observations. The Kenyan Red Cross reported on April 30th that 410 individuals, including 227 minors, are still missing. As of April 26th, the count of rescued survivors was only 39 people. On that same day, it was reported that 22 people had been arrested. On April 24th, search teams had to actually stop digging for bodies until autopsies were completed on the first 90 bodies that were found because the Melendi Sub-County Hospital's morgue was literally running out of space to store the bodies. On April 28th, it was reported that heavy rain was slowing rescue and recovery efforts. Paul is facing possible terrorism charges. So this case, this bit of news is still new and sort of raw. We still don't have all of the information. Now, as I find more information, I will include it in the Monday morning murder in the news that I do so that we can sort of keep updated with this case. And really, this case does remind me a lot of Jim Jones and the People's Temple. Jim Jones was very paranoid and very much against the government. And he took his people to Guyana and separated them from their families. And, and the horrific outcome is stuff of history. We all know what happened. So tell me, guys, what do you think about this cult? Leave me a comment or you can DM me on Instagram at serial underscore killing or come join the Serial Killing a Podcast fan page on Facebook. I'm active on Instagram and Facebook quite a bit if you want to chat or, or give me your ideas. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Because I know you could be listening to anyone else. 
but you chose me and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, guys, and have a great day. Uh, anybody who killed more than two or three people was a mass murderer. And whether it was all at one place or over an extended period of time, and then uh, in the early 80s, they came up with this differentiation called serial killing. <laughs>